Good morning. Kids, you are not dismissed. I got one back there. He was halfway out the door. Uh, It is a fifth Sunday. It is the Sunday that we do church all together. We have our families in, our kids are in, uh, Spanish congregation is in, and so we are all together about, uh, it happens about four times a year. Um, It doesn't often happen on playoff football Sunday where they start the game too early. So for those of you who are from the 11 o'clock service but no kickoff is at noon, welcome. We're glad you're here. We are. Um, we, one of the reasons that we worship together as a family, as a whole church family, even Spanish and, and kids and everything, is because our kids need to see that this is how we worship, that this is how we learn, that we grow together as, as, we're, uh, as we're worshiping together in church. And so you get a much better impact on your kids' lives if they have seen your faith, they've watched you worship, they see you taking in God's word. So this morning we're going to do that. But Pastor Steve knows that he's been given the task of kids are in, and Spanish congregation is in, and it's a football playoff Sunday, so he better be engaging, and he better be done on time. Can I get an amen out of anyone? Yeah, okay, yeah, I gotcha. So we are going to start this morning with this. Anybody seen one of these? It's a little drone. It's a toy that costs about, it's only about 25 bucks. I put it a little far out, didn't I? I'm going to get this sucker. Don't go up. There we go. Um, So this little drone is really cool. uh, When you drop it, it just automatically starts to hover. You don't even have to touch it to guide it around. You just give it a little, and if you flip it over, it turns off automatically. It does tricks. I don't, man, I, the trick thing, I don't, if you throw it up, it'll do it. Again, don't go too far away, you little jerk. Uh, here we go. It'll do a trick. I've been practicing this. Oh, come on, baby. Don't, Holy Spirit, work in this. That's what I'm talking about here. Okay, here it goes. You're supposed to go, oh, what, wait, are you kidding me? You're supposed to go over the top of it. There it goes. Yeah. Huh? Is that pretty cool or what? This thing is awesome. By the way, uh, if you throw it up in the air and it goes too high, it will just hover there. For six minutes. That's when the battery runs out. Don't ask me how I know that. Okay. Um, it is a cool little toy. Um, and... and This toy was made by an engineering team, right? There was a team of engineers, I assume using CAD software and prototypes and hardware and and software, they made this thing. And it's pretty cool for about six minutes. It's pretty cool, okay? And, And I enjoy it. But let me show you something even cooler. Consider the butterfly, The butterfly is perhaps one of God's coolest creations, okay? Let me tell you about the butterfly. Did you know that the color in a butterfly's wings does not come from pigment? It comes from light refracting and reflecting in the transparent elements of a a butterfly's wing. That's how it gets its color. Stranger yet, butterflies don't, no moth or butterfly eats solid food. Some eat nectar, 
but they don't eat solid food at all. Some can't even take in moisture at all. The lifespan of most butterflies is very short. It's usually just enough to lay their eggs. But these things are fascinating. Butterflies migrate from one region to another. Uh, I grew up uh, going to my grandparents' house in Pacific Grove. The monarch butterflies are in Pacific Grove in spades out there, and I love seeing them. But the greatest migration of butterflies, the monarch butterflies, migrate from Canada southward down to Central America, deep into Mexico. And when they finally roost at their destination, the butterflies are so thick, they crowd the forest that entire trees appear to be covered in bright orange moving leaves. It is so cool. The world's fastest butterfly is the monarch butterfly, which I was speaking of. It it can fly up to 17 miles an hour. Now, the brain capacities of these insects, they, it's, so, it's mind-boggling, right? In a space no bigger than a speck, the creator designed a sophisticated brain that enables them to see, smell, taste, fly, and navigate with such great precision that they can travel enormous distances to the very trees where their great-great-great-great-grandmothers actually uh, had, that, had the, the family line. It's unbelievable. They're, they're, their brains put our miniaturized electronics and avionics to shame because who could make a self-propelled, self-guided airplane as small as a butterfly to do the same things? Totally independently. Traveling so many miles, up to 3,000 miles, Landing so many times, making accurate in-flight navigation corrections, and doing it all on such a tiny amount of fuel, and then reproduce, reproduce itself at the end. Is that unbelievable to you? It's unbelievable to me. No one but God could make such a marvelous creature as a butterfly. But here's the craziest part. Butterflies don't start as butterflies. They start as what? They're caterpillars, right? They start as a caterpillar. It can't fly, and then through some miracle, it turns into a butterfly that can. Take a look at this quick video. Is that cool? Do you want to know why I think God made butterflies? Because he was like, I can. I I can do this. It's so cool to me to think about. By the way, this is a side note. This has nothing to do with the sermon today, but if you are a scientist and you somehow believe all of that happened by evolution... You have way more faith than I do. You have way more faith than I do. And, and a scientist might say, well, Steve, but, but that happened over millions and, and, and billions of, of years of evolution. And my response was, okay, I'll give you a million years. You know what? I'll give you a billion years. I will give you a billion years to develop something that can navigate thousands of miles to a place it has never seen because it takes four to five generations to get there and that it spontaneously reproduces itself as a caterpillar that then metamorphosizes into a butterfly and, and, and turns into this magical flying object on these tiny amounts of fuel and this little processor of a brain to navigate to Central America. Listen, some of you can't get to work without Google Maps. I just don't think it's possible. You can have a team of a thousand engineers and a billion years to do it. And get this. If you were able to accomplish that, 
with a thousand engineers and all those generations and a billion years, and you could actually somehow produce a butterfly like that? Do you know what you just proved? You didn't prove evolution. You, you proved creative design. That's what you proved. So I just don't see how you can't see a God who is so creative and is, in, and is running our world. Um, so I don't think you can do that. I have a drone that can fly for six minutes and then it's dead. Good, good luck on creating that, okay? This morning, we are going to talk about the word that is used here in, in the scriptures for this prophet process is metamorphosis. Everybody say metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is a change not only in appearance but also in character. Not only in appearance but also in character. There's the Greek word that we use in the Bible for be transformed. Today we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit and one of the incredible miraculous things that the Holy Spirit does is he, in the heart of a believer, he transforms us. He changes our very character. He creates a metamorphosis in us. Let's read together God's word this morning and see how this plays out in scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, but whenever someone, what? Whenever somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So all of us who have the Spirit, who have had that veil removed, excuse me, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are, what's the word? As we are changed into His glorious image. I've been wrestling with the idea of how to explain to kids, kids, if you're in here today, how do I explain the Holy Spirit to you? And after going around and around and reading everything I could and asking everyone I could, my wife was the one who gave me the one. She said, just tell them, Steve, it's a little piece of God they take with them everywhere they go. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is. We know who God the Father is, kids. We know who Jesus is, the Son. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our heart. I know we say that to kids, but it's true. He lives in our heart. He lives in our mind. The Holy Spirit goes with us everywhere we are. And when someone turns to the Lord, becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. God's Spirit is in you. And it makes us more and more like Him. And we are changing. Now, this is the time of year where people are changing. Amen? You're trying to change. Anybody? No, because we're already at the end of January. You gave that up already, didn't you? I know how this works. You tried to go from eating you know, bad food to healthy food. You, you tried to go from sitting on the couch to working out in the gym. You tried to go from being broke at Christmas to, to getting out of debt in January. New Year's is a time where people are trying to change, and the key word is we are trying to change, right? We're trying to change. And, and all those people, by the way, who are trying to get healthy in just a couple of weeks on Super Bowl weekend, or actually for many of you just in a few hours, we will very soon be sitting on our couch eating guacamole and nachos while watching people who are actually in shape work out. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what's going to happen later today. Um, so listen, for most of us, I'm going to introduce an idea to you today. For most of us, there are really only two ways to change. These are the two ways to change. From the outside in and from the inside out. From the outside in and the inside out. From the outside in, this is what change looks like. It's outside in is when something external is pushing on you and putting enough pressure on you that you have to change. 
Let me give you an example. If you are late to work one more time, I'm going to fire you. Suddenly, you're punctual. That's an outside-in change. The outside pressure is there, so you decide, I better be on time. I better start being punctual, right? From inside out is when something inside of you changes. You decide you're going to change. Nothing forced you to change. You just internally decided it was a time to change for you. Now, the poster child of change in the Bible is a guy by the name of Saul. He changed so much that we give him, gave him a different name. Now we call him what? Paul. He's named Paul in our thinking. When we meet Saul, though, he is not a believer. He's not a believer. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit yet inside of him. And God is going to use some outside in to get to Saul. So these two methods God uses to transform people is from the outside in. And from the outside in is without the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to tell you that the Holy Spirit wasn't working in this situation, but it wasn't working from within Saul. He didn't have the Holy Spirit at this point. Okay, listen to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says this. It says, meanwhile, who? Saul was uttering what? Threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Saul was a bad dude. Saul was trying to kill all of the followers of Jesus Christ. He was like a terrorist, but... uh, a hitman. He was, but he was sanctioned by the government and the religious bodies to like go get him, Saul. And he was like 007 on the bad side. You know what I'm talking about? He he is a bad dude. Um, but God is going to work on Saul from the outside in. Listen to what happens. Many of you know this story. It says as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, what happened? A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. What did it say? Saul, 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 audible voice. Why are you you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am who? Jesus himself, the one you are persecuting. So Jesus himself shows up and miraculously through a light says, Hey, knock it off, fella. You're being a jerk. Uh, and many of you know the story. Saul goes blind, and he has to be led into this town of Damascus. This is an inside-out. God is using outside forces. In this case, it's a blinding light and the presence of Jesus Christ himself, who shows up personally uh, on the outside of him, uh, and, and, and is outside making an impact on him. This is a little bit like Jonah. You remember Jonah? Jonah, right, was swallowed by a whale. That's outside-in transformation. Jonah's like, look, a whale. And then he's like, look, a whale, right? And he's like, I'm not going. I'm not going to Nineveh. And then he says, I've changed my mind. Nineveh's lovely this time of year. I'm going to Nineveh. That's outside-in transformation. The other kind of transformation, though, is from the inside out. And the inside-out transformation, for those of us who are believers, is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of us prompting us and changing us. In the same story, we see a believer by the name of Ananias. And the Holy Spirit has been given to the church at this time. It's already been poured out on the church. And Ananias, as a believer, would have the Holy Spirit. And so watch his inside-out transformation in this same story. It says, now there was a believer where? 
just happened to be in Damascus, named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. What did he say? Yes, Lord. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. It's pretty specific, don't you think? Go over to Lee Avenue to the house of Steve and tell him he's being a jerk. No, go back. Sorry. That was just me off script. Go, uh, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. There you go. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named... This is very specific, don't you think? He is praying to me right now, and I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. This is all very specific, right? And you can only imagine Ananias' response. Whoa, 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 Lord. Saul from Tarsus, like hitman Saul, that's who you want me to go talk to? I don't think so. Ananias is filled with fear. We see it. His response is this. It says, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. But get this, the Spirit of God, which is living inside of Ananias, right, and begins to transform his fear into courage and, and his hesitations into boldness from the inside out. And we see at the end of this story in Acts 9, verse 17, it says, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. Can you imagine that? Don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent who? I know this is crazy, but he sent me. He sent me so that you might regain your sight and be what? Paul, Saul, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is perhaps one of the most important moments in the New Testament church. It's probably one of the most important moments in the New Testament church. Saul would be renamed Paul, and Paul would change the world for Jesus Christ. He would spread the gospel further than anyone else, and he went from a terrorist to a missionary, from someone who would kill Christians to a man who was willing to be killed, stoned, jailed, persecuted for Christ. In fact, Saul the murderer, Saul the persecutor would later say this in Philippians. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. It's quite a transformation overnight in span of a moment. So, Here's the thing, if the Holy Spirit can change Saul into Paul, there's somebody here today that needs to hear this. He can change you from the inside out. He can change you. So let's look how he does that. First, the Spirit transforms our minds. The Spirit transforms our minds. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of what? This world. But let God transform you. That's the word. Highlight, circle, underline. Transform you into a what? You're a brand new person. By changing the way you, the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and what else? Perfect. Perfect. 
There's that Greek word again, right? It's the word we get metamorphosis from. It's a change not only in appearance, but also in character. I really, in hindsight, should have put that in the note. You may want to write that in the margin of your notes, okay? Write this down in the margin of your notes. It's a change not only in appearance, but in character. A change not only in appearance, but in character. This is a deep change that comes from a... You go from a self-centered life to a a Christ-centered life, a spirit-led life. And there are some interesting things about that verb for be transformed, that metamorphosis verb. This is a present continuous verb. What that means is this is not a one-time action. Literally what it means is keep being transformed, keep being transformed, keep being transformed. It's an ongoing process. You continue it on and on. And it's also a passive verb. Paul is not saying transform yourselves. What he's saying is let yourselves be transformed. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. Ephesians 4, says it this way through 24. Throw off your what? Your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is being corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, whose job is it? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. And what else? And your attitudes. Put on your what? It's this new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Get this, you can't white-knuckle this kind of transformation. We try so hard to change some things. I, I know when I, when I talk to people about it who are, who are trying to get rid of addictions, they're just white-knuckling it as hard as they can. And they realize that they can't. I, I'm, I'm powerless against it. I, I, I can't do it. I need, I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I, but you have to surrender to the Holy Spirit to let him transform you. This is not about trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about letting the change come from inside you. That your identity is a new person. That your identity is a changed person. I've been reading this book recently. It's a secular book. And lots of times I read secular books and I, and I find something in it that I find to be true. And then I think, man, if they only understood how that relates to spirituality, it would be a much better book. But I was reading this book and, 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 and it talks about this real change, deep change, the kind of change that you can sustain comes from your identity. And, and, I, and you have to internalize the change into your identity. Um, this is the example they gave. If somebody offers you a cigarette and your response is, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. You are white knuckling it. You are just trying to, I'm just trying to quit. But if it comes from your identity and somebody says to you, they offer you a cigarette and your response is, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. You see the subtle difference there? One of them is identity. I'm not a smoker. I'm not a smoker anymore. And the other one is I'm trying to quit. And it it comes from this idea of your identity. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you have a new identity. You are a brand new person. You are not who you used to be. Right? Your identity has changed. You have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. You are a child of God. Your identity has changed. You are a new creation. You are a new being. I don't have to be the old Steve anymore. I'm new because the Spirit lives within me. And get this. 
Here's the funny thing. Change is happening around us at all times. We're being transformed all the time. I'm, and this is really true. You're being transformed from the outside in or even from the inside out in so many areas of your life. You're not who you were five years ago. And, and you've heard it said, the one constant in life is, the one constant in life has changed. But get this, change is inevitable. But growth, growth is optional. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. The Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives, into our hearts and our minds, and he's speaking to us from the inside out, and he's prompting us, and he's changing the way that we think about the world around us, giving us godly insights, but you can choose to ignore him. You can choose to ignore the Holy Spirit. You could choose to listen to the outside voices of the world around us and go against the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit isn't some puppet master that's just controlling your every deed. It's not pulling the strings. If you want to see real transformation in your life, you've got to choose to let the Holy Spirit change you. You've got to choose spiritual growth, right? You can let the Holy Spirit reside in you and never change you. Never experience spiritual growth because you simply refuse to let the Spirit work on you and work in you. But if you do, if you allow that, then the Spirit can transform our actions. And the Spirit will transform the way we actually behave on the outside. Galatians chapter 5 is a famous passage. We're going to dive into it deeper later this year that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, it says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit, what? Guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the, it's the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us what? Desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions get this the first thing that the spirit does for us is the spirit frees us from our sinful nature frees us from our sinful nature you have a constant battle going inside of you at all times how many people know the little shoulder angel and the little devil angel on your shoulders? Anybody ever have the little shoulder angel whispering at you? Hey, we should do this. And you're like, that doesn't sound very fun, shoulder angel. And you're, you're little. By the way, you don't actually have a devil angel on your shoulder. That's really just you and what you want to do. It's really just your sinful nature, your selfish, sinful thoughts and ideas. That's what's happening here. And there's this constant battle. Going, anybody else? Am I the only one that has this dialogue going on in my head? Good. A few of you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you, you're so holy. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I, I hear those voices going back and forth in me. Only as believers, our shoulder angel is the Holy Spirit within us. And our shoulder devil is not the devil. It's, it's really just us, our selfish, sinful nature, doing what we want to do. And, and we see, a, and in this passage, actually, I didn't put it up on the screen, there is a clear list of the results of if we follow our selfish, our, our selfish sinful nature. If you want to look in your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, there's a list of consequences that happens when we follow our selfish, sinful nature. Things like hostility, quarreling, jealousy, 
outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. There's a few more that I didn't want you to have to explain to your kids later on today, okay? You can look it up if you want to. But there's all these results, this list of consequences that comes from that, right? Read them for yourself in Galatians chapter 5. But we don't have to be slaves to our old self. We can be free to let the Spirit guide us. Let the Spirit lead us away from that list of consequences. But that list isn't the only option. We can be free from that list. And the Bible says in this passage, we can produce fruit in our lives that we couldn't have produced without the Holy Spirit. Listen to the list of fruit. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Fruit in our lives. Everybody, let's hear them together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what else? And self-control. There is no law against these things. It says, those who belong to who? Christ Jesus have, their na- have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. And crucified them there. And since we are living by what? We're living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's what? Leading in every part of our lives. And the Spirit frees us to produce fruit. The Spirit frees us to produce fruit. Let me ask you a question. How do you make fruit? I'm going to give you the truth. You don't make fruit. You don't make fruit. Only God makes fruit, right? I mean, he's the only one that can make fruit. The only thing that you can do is create a healthy environment for fruit to grow. You put a seed in the ground and you water it and you tend it and you you give it the right amount of sunlight and then fruit begins to grow, right? You provide all that and then you prune. You got to prune at the right time and you got to prune the right way and you got to make sure frost doesn't happen and you got all these things. But get this, fruit happens, right? Fruit just happens. You can't produce fruit. We should have a bumper sticker that says that, fruit happens, you know, just on your bumper, people are like, what is, what is wrong with that guy? Fruit happens because the Spirit makes fruit happen. This is spiritual fruit. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. Not to be confused with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are something else. We're going to get into that as well this year. But everyone is growing the spiritual fruit when they believe and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in them. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and the fruit begins to grow. What is fruit? Fruit is simply this. It's an outward evidence of the inward nature of a tree. Because when you pick a peach off of a tree, you know it's a a peach tree, right? When you pull an apple off of a tree, you know it is an? It's an apple tree, right? And, And we know that because that's what grows on them. All right. All of that leads me to so what, Steve? Well, I'm right on time. You're, you're going to like me. You people are not going to miss the game. What do I care about? Here's the question. The question is, is will you let the Spirit change you? Will you allow the Spirit to change your thinking and your actions? I don't know if this is true for you guys, but I absolutely know when I am resisting the Holy Spirit. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? 
where the Spirit is clearly sometimes screaming at me, and I'm going, eh, not right now. I'm going, eh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know how they're going to receive that. I don't know. I know when I'm resisting the Holy Spirit. And spiritual inside-out transformation comes in those areas where you are willing, where you are absolutely willing to be used, to be adjusted, to when you are open to something new, when you're open to what the Spirit is saying to you, when you're sensitive to His prompting. Outside-in transformation happens in those areas where you are hiding from God. Go ahead, hide from God for a little while. Watch how God doesn't bring some outside-in pressures on you. And you have to find a way to change because everything and everyone is coming at you where you're hiding from God. But God loves you so much He won't leave you alone there. And He starts working on you from the outside in. Many times I look back at the things that God had to outside-in transform me on and I can look back and realize, oh yeah, the Spirit was prompting me for an inside-out transformation, but I, I was resisting. I was resisting. I was too dumb or too stubborn. Many times I can see that God was trying to get my attention on those outside-in transformations in my life to see that God was trying to get my attention from the inside out. But if we are directed by the Spirit that lives within us and the evidence of His presence in our lives will be this spiritual fruit and you will see the Spirit in your life. You don't produce the fruit. The Spirit produces the fruit. And Jesus said it like this. This is what I want to leave you with. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce what? Fruit. If it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be what? Fruitful. Unless... You remain in me. And so the point of all of this is fruit happens. Fruit happens. But you have to allow it to happen. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen, some of you right now, there's a football game today and you could care less. And I'll tell you why. Because as I'm talking to you right now, it's not my words. It's the Holy Spirit stirring inside of you. You know you are in desperate need of a transformation in some area of your life. You may have an addiction that's gripping you. You may have a broken marriage that is falling apart and you're desperate for transformation and for change. And you have been white-knuckling it so hard for so long and you can't figure out why you can't make it change. And the truth of the matter is is that you can't white-knuckle it. You have to let the Holy Spirit within you begin to be the agent of change inside of you. Do you know you can't change anybody else? You can only change you. And that inside-out transformation is when you say, Holy Spirit, I can't do anything about this, but change me. Change me. Holy Spirit, change my bitterness to love. Change my stress to joy. Holy Spirit, change this constant conflict and give me peace. Holy Spirit, change my harshness in my words to kind words. Holy Spirit, 
take this apathy that I feel and make it goodness. Holy Spirit, take my inconsistency in the way that I've been and would you change it to faithfulness? Holy Spirit, take this anger that I have been holding on to for as long as I can remember and make it gentleness. Holy Spirit, take this sin that is so embedded, so entrenched in my life and give me self-control. I'm going to pray for you. Would you just bow your heads wherever you're at? Father God, I know there is somebody, there are some people here today that have been trying so hard to change. Trying to change their circumstance, trying to change their behavior, trying to change the way that they think. And God, I know that that it's just too hard to white knuckle it. Father, I pray today that if they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are... They, they don't have the Holy Spirit within them, that they would surrender today and allow the Holy Spirit into your life. It's really easy. You just call out to this, this Jesus that, that we speak about who, who gave his life and, and was crucified on the cross and lived a sinless life and, and was our sacrifice and he, he came to save you. And when you receive that and when you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, you also get the Holy Spirit. He begins to dwell inside of you. And these things that you couldn't change before, suddenly you can change because it's not you that's changing you. It's the Spirit inside of you that's changing you. God, I pray that you would move in the lives of us who have the Holy Spirit, but we have been resisting. And God, I know there's some people here today that have some outside-in transformation happening. They're getting pressure from the outside, and they just see it as an oppression. And God, I pray that they would open their eyes and ask, what do I need to change, and how can I change from the inside to honor you? Father, I pray that as we leave here today, God, that we would leave open to change, open to growth, open to transformation, but that we don't have to do it on our own. We do it because you reside within us, alive in us. Father, we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.